Hosea chapter 8, Hosea chapter 8, if you go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hosea 8, in the meantime, we'll give you an update, we have um, 156 gospel contacts this week, that brings a yearly total, a subtotal up to 4,641, so keep up the good work, keep reaching out with the gospel, spread it everywhere you go until the Lord takes us home. Hosea chapter 8, verse 11, is where we're going to be expounding this morning. And the title of the message this morning is, Many Wrongs Don't Make a Right. Many Wrongs Don't Make a Right. In the verse we're about to study this morning, God addresses the universal problem of false religion. And I say universal because false religion is worldwide. Don't ever think that America is religious and you get outside our culture, you'll expand your horizon, as so many people say, and educate yourself. All you're going to do is find that people are religious everywhere you go. False religion began in the Garden of Eden. It was spread by Cain and his descendants. It was popularized by Nimrod. It is still embraced by the world today. And it will continue to be embraced by the world today all the way into the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Don't think false religion is going to go away when Jesus appears in the clouds. It's not. It will continue until every rebel in this earth is forcibly removed out. I saw one of those bumper stickers the other day. Perhaps you all have seen them. It says, coexist. You all seen those before? Coexist. And it's encouraging all the religions in the world to live peaceably with one another. How's that working out right now in the Middle East? It doesn't. How'd that work out with Cain and Abel? It didn't. I remember George Bush after 9-11 telling us that Islam was a, quote, religion of peace. In the so-called Christian community, we have pastors with different beliefs that are meeting together regularly to celebrate their union with each other. Diversity and inclusion is a big thing in the United States, if you haven't noticed. And it has been for a long time because people foolishly believe that people don't have to be exactly right about spiritual things as long as they are kind to their fellow man. As long as they're committed to what they believe. They somehow have respect to the people. The White House, there in Washington, uh, it, it puts on a token celebration for pretty much every religion that's in America today. And, and it seems like the kookier the religion is, the bigger the spread they put out for it. And they're, they're thinking that, that we are civilized people... Because we give equal weight to each religion. Equal billing to each religion. And they think that we're stronger culturally, more culturally rich and stronger as a people because we practice such a great variety of religions in our nation. But this morning, we're going to hear from the authority on religion... We're going to hear from the one who knows the truth, who is the truth, and who speaks the truth, while the rest of the world is sugarcoating lies. 
Look with me now in verse 11. God said, Because Ephraim hath made many altars to sin, altars shall be unto him to sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I pray all eyes will be on you this morning. I pray all distractions will be removed. And I pray you'll speak to us by your spirit and feed us with your word. We ask to your honor and glory and our edification in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Because Ephraim hath made many altars to sin, altars shall be unto him to sin. That may seem a little confusing when you first listen to it. A little rough whenever you first read it. Like, what is that talking about? Well, quickly let me remind you that Ephraim was uh, a reference to the northern kingdom of Israel at that time when they were divided up into two parts. And if we will listen carefully to what God's saying in this verse... We're going to find out that this short verse is replete with truth that we need to hear today. Listen to it again. Because Ephraim hath made many altars to sin, altars shall be unto him to sin. All right, let's meditate on that verse now. Let's break that verse down now. Take your pens and underscore the following key words in this verse. Underscore Ephraim. Underscore the word half. Underscore the word many. Underscore the word alters. That's your key words that condenses it down to your key thought here, which is Ephraim has many alters. What do we learn about our society here of northern Israel at that time? We learn that it's much like America, North America at this time. Don't get the wrong idea about Israel. Israel was not a secular nation during this time. Israel is more secular today than they were back then. Israel was not an atheistic nation. Israel was a very religious nation. Israel had many altars. Not one, not a few altars, but many altars. Altars, which shows us they were very zealous about their religious worship. They had many altars, which means they probably had many different locations where altars were conveniently placed throughout the land for their people. People love convenience, and this holds true when it comes to religion as well. Would you rather worship on Saturday night and sleep in on Sunday morning? We've got that option for you. We've got churches here, uh, around here, that they will do that. They will have service for you on Saturday night, so you don't have to come on Sunday morning. We have churches that do that. Would you rather listen to church while you cook lunch, and you're, and you're at home on Sunday morning, you just cook lunch and have it playing in your background? We have options for that, too. Very convenient. Would you rather not drive too far away to go to church? That's no problem. We are surrounded by churches in our community. No problem at all. Do you prefer getting up early and getting out, uh, out the door and, and, on, and, and, and going to church early so you can have the rest of the day? That's no problem. We've got church services that will we'll hold early on Sunday morning for you. Would you rather sleep in on Sunday morning and then get started a little later on Sunday morning? No problem. We'll have a service that's late for you. We have churches that will offer you those convenient choices. Do you, do you prefer 
having a, a worship service that's a little more modern with the music or one that's a little more traditional. We'll take care of that. We've got all kinds of convenient options for you. Let me tell you, the early churches were too busy trying to keep themselves alive and out of prison and spreading the gospel to worry about such stupid things like that. They were more interested in obedience to God than they were convenience to themselves. They were more interested in endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and they were splitting up the church into different worship dates and times so that half or a third of the people in the church didn't know who the other half or two-thirds are. It's sad. They were willing to put life on hold and listen to the Apostle Paul preach for hours. They were willing to set the day of Jesus' resurrection aside for worship. It's a novel idea, isn't it? Actually working your schedule around church rather than church working its schedule around you. They were willing to lose their lives for the sake of the gospel. It wasn't convenient for the Apostle Paul to suffer shipwreck. It wasn't convenient for him to get bit by a snake. It wasn't convenient for him to get put into prison. And it wasn't convenient for him to have to endure the physical ailments he did for the sake of the gospel. It wasn't convenient for the apostles to be beaten it wasn't convenient for John the Baptist to be decapitated. It wasn't convenient when Jesus left heaven, was born in a manger, was rejected by those who, cre who He created, and then was arrested and crucified. All of that was inconvenient. Christians, we don't need to be concerned with convenience. We need to be concerned with obedience. Instead of asking ourselves, which church is more convenient for me, we need to be asking ourselves, where can I learn the Word of God and collectively fulfill God's will for the body of Jesus Christ? They had many altars, which meant they probably had many locations for their personal convenience. But you know what else? They had many altars, which meant they probably had many choices for their individual tastes. I mean, there's no use in settling for the first altar you happen to find, Brother Shepherd. There's no use in settling for that. You might as well shop around and find the altar that's right for you. You know? That's exactly why we have a Pentecostal church in that direction. We have a church of Christ in that direction, which is all very, very close to us. You can step out and see almost all these churches if you step out on the front porch. We've got a Presbyterian church in that direction. We've got a non-denominational church in that direction. And a Southern Baptist church a little bit further down there. And that's just close. That's not included. We've got a homosexual church on the other side of the lake. We've got cowboy churches. I tell you what, I've got a novel idea. I really do. I've got a real good idea. Brother Shepard, I'm thinking about making first responder churches. How about that? Instead of the cowboy churches that have the, uh, the rodeo arena, and, 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 and they get through with their, their teaching and everything, they go out and they get on bulls and horses and ride in the rodeo arena, we'll have a first responder church. We'll have an indoor pistol range. We'll get through with service, we'll go out there, we'll shoot our guns. Man, I, don't think for a minute we wouldn't pack this place out. 
There's no sense in settling for the first altar you find. Find an altar that's right for you. One that fits your taste. One that is your color, your size. One that's custom tailored for the worship experience of your choice. Very sad. But that's where we're at today. Listen, you don't need to look for a place that conforms to what you want in a church. You need to look for a place where you can be conformed to what God wants in you. That's the difference. How about we quit looking for places to meet our needs and we start becoming people that meet God's demands. God wasn't impressed with the number of Israel's altars. Not at all. And He's not impressed with the number of ours. In fact, it was just the opposite. God said, Ephraim hath many altars. What's those next two words? To sin. To sin. Now, they weren't trying to sin so much. It wasn't like, let's build an altar so we can sin. But that was the result of building that altar. The Hebrew word translated sin here is not the, it's not the word that means to transgress the commandment. That's, that's a different one. This one is the word that means to miss the standard that God has set. To miss the mark that God has set for you. It means to come short and fail to achieve the righteous standards that God set for you for, for worship in His Word. Now, now, isn't it reasonable to conclude that a religious institution should be helping us achieve the standards that God has set for us. Helping us achieve and accomplish what God has called us to do. That's what a religious institution should do. And if a religious institution is not helping us achieve God's will, but is in fact causing us to miss God's will in our lives and in His standards of worship, then isn't it also reasonable to conclude that that institution is hurting us rather than helping us? Yes. And we have many religious institutions today all around us who are doing just that. Yesterday I had, uh, I was in my study, I was working on a book, writing a book, and heard the doorbell ring. And I thought, it's our defibrillator for the church. That's the first thing I thought. They're delivering the defibrillator for the church. Well, I was wrong. I had to pick it up Monday at CVS. But anyway... But I thought that's who it was. And so I, I went to the door real quick because it requires a signature. I went to the door real quick, and it wasn't. It was a, a, a 60-something-year-old man and like a late 20s, 30-something-year-old woman. So I said, how can I help you? Well, they were inviting me to come to the Church of Christ Church there in Athens. And uh, invited me to come to a special service. And I said, well, now, I, I appreciate y'all inviting me, but now, I don't believe like y'all do. I believe we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. And I said, y'all believe we have to be baptized to be saved and keep working the best we can to stay saved. And he goes, boy, I'd love to have a Bible study with you. I said, sir, come on in. <laughs> I sure did. I said, come on in. He said, well, I, I, he said I, 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 I didn't bring a Bible today. I said, I've got one for you. Come on in. So he comes in. I give him my Bible. I take me another Bible. 
And I take God's Word to open it up and not uh, trying to help him, but you know what? Trying to really help that young woman. And I take God's Word and I show him what God's Word says. In the Bible, I show him what baptism is and the baptism that actually saves us. And you could tell he's getting nervous, he's getting shaking, he doesn't know his way around the Bible, and I had to tell him where different verses were. And it was so sad. And finally, one time he said, When, when do we get credit for our salvation? When, are we, when is that moment that we actually are saved? And I said, the Bible tells us, because he thinks it's when you're in the baptismal water. I took him to the book of Ephesians. When ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You know what he said? No! I said, sir, that's the Scriptures. When ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He looks at me and he says, one of us has a false gospel. I said, we sure do. I said, you think about it, sir. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, so do you, right? Yes. I said, I've been baptized in water, so have you, right? Yes. I'm serving Jesus. I was in there writing a book for the Lord when you knocked on my door. You're out serving the Lord, trying to knock on people's doors and get them to go to church. So we're both serving. We both believe Jesus died for our sins. We've both been baptized in the water. We're both working. And one of us has a false gospel. And the difference between the two is this. I am working out of love because of what Jesus accomplished for me. You are working out of necessity lest you not be good enough and you die and go to hell. I am trusting in what Jesus has done. You are trusting in what you are doing. When I look at the cross, I see it is finished. When you look at the cross, you see it's just gotten started. That's the difference. And that's how come we have all these different religions out here, all these different altars out here. Don't drive by a different altar. Don't drive by a different church and think, well, they're trying to serve God and they're going to heaven and we're all going to be surprised when we get to heaven. We see that all these different people from these different churches are there. That's a lie. God isn't impressed with these different altars. You drive Central Baptist Church here in Maybank, Texas, there's going to be one altar, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ, where the Lamb of God died. That's the only altar we have. Praise His name. I don't want one fashioned any other way, Brother Doug. Woo! No, sir. No, sir. So whoever worshipped at those altars... Because you have to understand, there was only one altar that God gave in the Bible. That was the altar that was sitting outside that tabernacle where the sacrifices were made. Now there was a golden altar inside, but as far as sacrifices were made, that is the only altar where Israel could sacrifice was outside the temple. It was the brazen altar and no other altar, no other way to God but through that altar God provided. Because that altar represents the cross of Jesus Christ. And there is no other way that man can get to God except through the cross. And the cross is finished work. So whoever was at worship got those altars. They weren't fulfilling God's word. They were sinning against it. They were sitting at an altar. They were worshiping at an altar that God said, no, that's not the way. 
Not the way I provided. Could you imagine someone in Noah's time? God, God builds an ark or has Noah build an ark by God's instructions and design. And then Noah tells everyone, here's an ark that God's provided whereby you can escape the coming judgment. And everyone says, well, here's what we'll do. I'm going to build a sailboat. I'm going to build a kayak. That suits me more personally. I kind of like being the great outdoors. I don't want to be all cooped up in that ark. And people start building their own boats. But that wasn't the way God provided man to escape. So by building their own boats, they were rejecting God's. It's not admirable to create a new altar. It's not admirable to custom tailor an altar to your, own, to your own preferences. Because as you're doing that, you're saying, God, yours is not good enough for me. Regardless of the people's intentions when they built the altars, regardless of how well the altars were received in the community, regardless of how dedicated the people were to sacrificing on those altars, they were not altars to the glory of God and the betterment of man. They were altars to sin. That's what God is saying here. The vast number of altars shows us that Israel was serious about their worship, but regardless of their intentions, God says, look back in your text, Altars shall be unto him to sin. That means the altar shall be considered by God to be sin. Here's a kingdom truth this morning. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. It matters how right you are. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. It matters how right you are. But, but Brother Richard, uh, they were so zealous about their religion. Don't, don't you think God will give people some kind of consideration as, as long as they're devoted to the faith or the denomination of their choice? Well, he'll give them consideration, all right. The more sincere that you are toward a false religion, the more he will consider you to have your heart set against the truth. Yeah, he'll give you consideration. The more committed you are to going against the way God provided, that's how God's going to look at it. You can't say, well, they were so committed to that boat. Yes, they were. And their commitment to the boat that they built as sincere and committed as they were to that boat, it was an absolute rejection to the boat that God built and provided. Now, don't miss this. These were altars that God was condemning. Altars, not Buddha statues. They were altars that God was condemning. See, the whole idea of an altar, you know where it came from? It came from God's Word. The whole idea of sacrifice came from God slaying that first, uh, those first animals to cover Adam and Eve. And then Cain and Abel, they offer sacrifice as an altar. Abraham builds altars where he goes and he sacrifices and calls on the name of the Lord. So these altars had a connection to the Word of God. That Church of Christ man had a connection to the Word of God. We're both sitting there with our Bibles open, and he comes to the conclusion, one of us has a false gospel. You see? But they both come from the Bible. The people 
who wanted Jesus Christ crucified used the same scriptures that Jesus did. These were altars that God was condemning. Just because something looks Christian, just because something's called a church, just because someone calls himself a pastor, does not mean it's true. An altar closely resembles the truth, but it's not the truth. If it's not the altar God provided. So it doesn't matter if a church has a cross in their religion, like the Christian church does. It only matters if that church holds to the faith that was once for all delivered unto the saints. Here's another kingdom truth. When you multiply altars of sin, you multiply the sins of the altars. Or say it again. When you multiply altars of sin, you multiply the sins of the altars. You see, Remember that word sin meant to miss God's standard, to come short of God's standard for worship. Now, if that altar is, you know, if it's half truth, then it's missing half. It only comes halfway to the standard God set. But when you multiply something that comes short of God's standard, then you multiply the distance you come short of it. Make sense? I don't know if you can, but if someone, if you've got a calculator on your phone, does someone know how to use the calculator on their phone and calculate something negative? You, know, you put a negative number in, you know how to do that? You got one? Pull it out. Pull it out. And multiply negative 50 times 20. Negative 50 times 20. You got it? What is it? Negative 1,000. So if you've got someone that has a religion that's half true, that means they are coming short of God's standard 50%. Now if Abigail, aprons by Abigail, get them while they can, if Abigail, selling her aprons, if she's making $1 an apron in profit, we went over business last Wednesday. It was incredible what you can learn here. You may you make $1 profit on each apron, and you're needing to make $100, you need to sell 100 aprons. Or you could sell one apron for $100, right? And get $100 profit. So if you're making a little profit, you can multiply the aprons and eventually reach the profit you desire. But if you're losing 50 cents for every dollar on those aprons, and you multiply the aprons, you're going to keep getting further and further behind in how much you're making. And so if you've got a religion that's halfway true and you say, well, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll just multiply that religion. We'll be more dedicated to it. We'll be more sincere. We'll put our, our heart and soul into it. As you multiply the offer, altars and as you spread the religion around, you go from 50% 50, 50 negative to now 1,000% against God's Word. So he said, those many altars that you make to sin, guess what? They're going to be unto you to sin. You're simply multiplying the offenses of your false religion. You can't get holiness by multiplying unholiness. Jesus said the way to God is to go through the single 
narrow gate that God provided. And that gate's the gospel. You can't get to God by making more gates. If you only have one gate in, in a narrow way or a narrow road, as Jesus said, that leads to life, only one narrow gate and one narrow road that goes through it that gets to God, then you can make other gates. You can make other roads. But don't expect God to be pleased with your gate building. For when you build another gate, it's only because you're rejecting the only gate God provided you. Just like with the ark. God provided only one altar for Israel to offer upon. So every other altar they built was another rejection of the altar God provided. Every religion that denies salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, in His death, His burial, His resurrection alone, is a rejection of the one way God provided man to come to Him. Many wrong turns don't make a right way to God. And with that, we'll go ahead and close, and Lord willing, take back up. In the next verse, next Lord's Day. Father, I thank you for your precious word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you, God, that you have given us your word, that we can take it and know without a doubt that we are on the way that leads to life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. That leaves me out. That leaves everyone this congregation out. We can't get by our own devices. We get there by Jesus Christ alone. And it is in His name we preach and pray and close this prayer. And I pray, dear Lord, if there's any here who do not have their faith in Christ alone for their salvation, that they will before it's eternally too late. In His precious name we pray. Amen.